Good morning. How are you? Welcome to church. So glad you're here. Um, want to reiterate, reiterate one thing in the announcement. That is our Holy Land tour that's coming up this fall. Um, again, that informational meeting is um, at 1 o'clock today. So you hear the 9 a.m. service. You can go get yourself some lunch. Come back and hear about everything um, that that trip entails. The itinerary, where we're going, lots of good stuff. And uh, we'll talk about pricing and different things like that at that meeting. But if you're interested in that at all, please come to that. It's 1 o'clock right here in these seats. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention, uh, the announcements say thank you for your giving. But I also want to say thank you for your faithfulness and your uh, tithes and offerings uh, here at Seed Lights Church. And uh, just to give you a, a little uh, update on our building fund. Everyone say building fund. <laughs> all right. Uh, we are approaching uh, $600,000 in our building fund. Which is really awesome. Thank you for, um, yeah, you can, you can clap for that. That's great. Um, but when you start looking at properties, it's like millions of dollars. So if any of you want to donate one, two, three, four million, uh, we, um, yeah, City Lights, write that on the check and fill it out, okay? Um, but we're always looking uh, for land or, uh, or to renovate something. So, and actually, I'll say if you guys know of something, uh, um, land property that we can um, buy. Um, bring those ideas to us. We're, we're kind of always got our, our feelers out looking for, for something. For those of you who don't know, we don't own this facility. We rent this from uh, this facility from the Adventure Church who meets on Saturday and we, we uh, have it on Sunday mornings and Tuesday evenings. So, But it's been a, a great relationship with them and uh, we don't know how long we'll be here, but we're doing good in the meantime and we're saving up for our own building. So thank you for your faithfulness in your giving. All right. If you have your Bibles, get them out. We're going to get into the word of God. I'm going to pray because I love the Lord and I love the word of God and I love the spirit of God. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for every individual in this house, Lord. I ask you to pour out your spirit upon us. God, we ask for a spirit of wisdom and revelation in our hearts, Lord, that when this word is opened, it strikes our spirit and changes and transforms us in Jesus name. And everybody said, Amen. All right. I want to take um, a couple of weeks and I want to talk about experiencing the presence of Jesus. How do we experience the presence of Jesus in our daily lives? How do we remain in constant fellowship with the Lord? I don't know about you. But I don't want to go one day without discerning his presence, feeling his presence. I don't want to go one day without hearing his voice. Now, listen, I, I wouldn't say that I clearly hear something defined every single day from the Lord. But I at least want to feel his presence and be in communion with him. And the Lord, of course, does lead us. It's many times it's that still, small voice when you're in that that secret place you're in the you're in that your quiet time with the Lord many times it's that still small voice or it's that nudging of the Lord where his voice leads us I want that every single day I firmly believe that if we have the presence of the Lord and the voice of the Lord that everything else in our lives will pan out okay um, do you need direction in your life the voice of the Lord and the presence of the Lord go hand in hand do you need provision in your life? The blessings of the Lord and the presence of the Lord go hand in hand. Do you need protection in your life? We all need protection. The covering of the Lord and the presence of the Lord go hand in hand. Is there a, is there a struggle with sin in your life? The transformation of the Lord 
and the presence of the Lord go hand in hand. We as Christians must have the presence of Jesus in our lives. I don't want to go one day without him. We can't afford to go one day without him. One day in the flesh, one day not walking in the spirit with the Lord can cost so much. We want to walk with him every single day. Now, someone might say, and I, and I, hear, I hear your theological questions from up here, believe it or not. Someone might ask the question, well, Pastor Kurt, I'm born again. Jesus lives in my heart. Don't I have fellowship with him every single day? Well, theologically, yes, that is correct. The manifest presence of Jesus lives in your heart. The Holy of Holies isn't some place over in Israel. By the way, come to Israel with me. It's going to be amazing. Um, but you'll see where the, the literal Shekinah glory of the Lord was. But now the, the presence of the Lord is in our hearts. Yes, that is true. But do we always interact and have fellowship with the presence of the Lord? Why is it that there are some days you feel so close to Jesus? You feel his presence. You hear his voice. You're confident that you're a son or a daughter. You're faith-filled. You have confidence in the word of God. You know that you know that you know him. You know that you're heaven-bound. You live free from the fear of man or the fear of anything. You share your faith. You'll pray for strangers. You're generous. You'll, you'll give because you know God will bless you. And you know there's more than enough. And you have a hopeful future. Some days are like that. Those are amazing days. I want every day to be like that. Yet there are, why is it that there are other days where you don't seem to feel the Lord. You don't seem to get answers. Sometimes you don't even feel like you're a son or a daughter. You're like, man, is this word really working? Is this really real? Your past mistakes make you feel completely disqualified from the Lord. You feel like, you're like, is heaven even real? And if it is, am I even going there? You don't live free from fear. You're insecure. You're full of doubt. You want to indulge in the, the flesh, the sinful nature. You're selfish. You don't want to give because you're like, God, will there be enough? And your perception of the future is not good. Why is it some days it's just you're so free in Christ? And we're talking about Christians here, people who have a God living on the inside of their heart. Some days you feel so faith-filled, so connected to the Lord, and some days it's like darkness. Okay? <clears throat> there are days or seasons where God is so real that you believe more in the supernatural realm than the natural realm. You're more convinced of his existence than your existence. You're so confident in the Lord, you would, you would give your life for Jesus. And there are other days and seasons where you're like, am I even saved? Am I speaking to anyone here? Okay. I want to say that the common denominator is not the season that you're in or the trial maybe you're going through. Because I've gone, I don't know about you, I have gone through some, I've gone through some pretty high highs, and I've gone through some very low lows. And I will honestly say that in the lows, the valleys, many times the presence of the Lord has been better than it is when everything seems to be going well. I don't believe the common denominator between I feel full of life, I feel full of Jesus, and I, I don't even, can't even tell if you're real right now. I don't believe the common denominator is the trial that maybe you're going through. Because in my life, some of the most tender and precious and amazing times is when I need the grace of God and I'm going through the hardest time. Yea, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you, you are with me. I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me, okay? So what's up with this discrepancy? What's up with this difference? I want to take a few weeks and talk about how we can experience the presence of Jesus in our hearts daily. He's in there, but how can we experience him 
daily. I want to give a few keys and we're going to go hopefully deep here. John, in John 4.24, Jesus is speaking to the, woman, the Samaritan woman at the well. I won't go into the details of that exchange. But Jesus gives us an essential key to understanding fellowship with him. Here it is, John 4.24. Jesus said this, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Okay, God is spirit. And the part of you that connects with God is spirit. Those who worship him must worship him with a spirit connection. Those who know him must connect with him in their inner man. Those who walk in the Lord must do so in their inner man, in their spirit. Our newborn spirit, if you're, a, if you're a believer in Jesus, how many believers in Jesus we got out there? The newborn experience, that when God filled your heart with faith and he, he drew you to himself, the newborn spirit is the exact nature as his spirit. It's the exact nature. The reason we can be partakers of his divine nature is that God has changed our nature, our spirit's nature, into his nature. How many of you have ever um, tried to communicate with someone and you didn't speak the same language? It's very hard. Is it charades where you act things out? Is that the game? Yeah, you're like, it's like a game of charades and you're like, uh, finally, banyo. Okay, bathroom, it's over there, okay. Um, yeah, I've, I've been on uh, several different mission trips around the world and you know, there's some languages that are like somewhat similar to English, and then you can kind of get some things. And then there are other languages. It's, it's the origin of that language is so totally different than English. There's, we have nothing. I have. We have no. We're just acting here, trying to figure each other out. Um, I remember when I when I first moved to Greeley, um, I worked pipeline construction. Worked on these, you know, these uh, natural gas wells and stuff like that. Pipeline construction, and. They had one crew, and the company was growing, and, all, and then they realized, oh, we want to run two different crews now. And so they had um, a Spanish-speaking crew and an English-speaking crew. And for some reason, I have no idea why, they put me on the Spanish-speaking crew. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm a widow up in here. What am I doing on the Spanish crew? I didn't even take Spanish in high school, okay? I should have. By the way, if you're in high school, take Spanish, okay? Okay. <laughs> My wife took French when she was in high school. I'm like, how much have you used French? None. We haven't been to Europe. We haven't been to Canada. No one's speaking French, okay? <laughs> Learn Spanish. That's what like, a lot of people in Greeley speak. Okay. But I'm on this crew, and the foreman would be like, you know, he'd speak Spanish to the whole crew, and they would all go to work, and I would just be standing there, and he'd go, okay. And then he'd have to speak English to me. And then I would go to work. And then, like, a week later, they put me on the other crew. So, I don't know how it started that way, but it did. But it's impossible to have a conversation with someone who speaks another language without an interpreter. Okay? But here's the deal. When you got saved, your spirit man, God changed your spirit man to be like his spirit man. They speak the same language. They have the same culture. They have the same nature. Okay? The part of you that communes with God is your spirit. It is spirit to spirit. That's how we commune with God. Um, I, 
Yeah, I won't, I won't get into all that. Okay. 1 Corinthians 6.17 says this. He who, has joined, he who has joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Some translations actually say he who joins uh, himself to the Lord is one spirit. Okay. So what has God done? He is, he's literally commingled his spirit with your spirit. Um, I, I don't often use the Passion Translation, but I, I, I do if, if I look at the Greek, and the Greek really lines up. And in this particular passage, the Passion Translation actually does very well. Um, 1 Corinthians 6.17 in the Passion says this, The one who joins himself to the Lord is mingled into one spirit with him. Imagine that. We have, there is no enmity, there's no distance, there's no separation between you and God. Why? Because God lives in your, in your spirit, man. They're, they're co-mingled. The, the word uh, joins in the Greek, uh, it's the word kaleo. It means to unite, to knit, or to weld together. How many people knit here? You got any, got any knitters? Come on, give it up, knitters. All right. How many, how many welders have we got in here? You guys weld? Okay. More welders than knitters. Okay. Um, I took some welding classes in high school. I've done a little bit of welding. I've not done any knitting. But to knit or weld together, to mingle or to join together, to make two into one. This is what God did when you became born again. So theologically speaking, it's, um, there's no distance. There's no separation in your spirit man and his spirit. He's, he's mingled us together. The born again spirit has been mingled with Christ's Holy Spirit. This is why we are one nature with him. Now, I do believe that it's possible, of course, to experience the presence of Jesus in our soul, which is our mind, will, and emotions, and our body. But it always originates from your spirit man. It always flows from the spirit man. Why? Because that's the part of you that's perfected forever. We are all, as humans, we are spirit beings. Spirit beings are eternal beings. We live forever. When you become born again, your spirit comes alive to God. And it was formerly dead. It comes alive to God. And now it can commune with the Lord. Okay. If our spirit is united with the Lord, there should be unbroken fellowship, unbroken communion, unbroken worship, and an unbroken sense of his presence. So why do we go through dry, dark, and discouraging seasons? Okay, I want to give you a key today. How many are interested in the key? Okay, because I want to feel the presence of Jesus daily. I want to walk in him daily. Okay, if you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 12. We're going to be looking at verse 20. This is very close to the, the crucifixion and, and resurrection of Jesus. This is actually what we're going to read is in between Palm Sunday and Good Friday. So it's that during that Holy Week that Jesus um, spoke these things during uh, the Passover feast. John 20, uh, 12, 20 through 26, it says this. Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. And Philip, they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Okay, metaphorically, isn't that what we all want? We all want to see Jesus. We want to see Jesus. We want to experience Jesus. We want to experience his presence. Verse 22, Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip, in turn, told Jesus. Okay, this is what Jesus said. It's kind of a strange way of answering. Hey, we want to see Jesus. Here's what Jesus said, verse 23. Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. 
But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Okay, Jesus, at first, he's talking about him, himself, that he's that seed that is going to be sown and, and, and die into the, into the earth, and it will produce many seeds, which is us, okay? But what Jesus is also doing here is he's foreshadowing what the life of the believer is supposed to look like, what the life of the follower of Jesus is supposed to look like, okay? He says, I'm going to sow myself in death so that many will come after me. In the next verse, he connects himself to his followers. Verse 25, watch this. Anyone. Everyone say anyone. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whosoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant will also be. My father will honor the one who serves me. Okay, this speaks initially of how we come to Jesus, but it also speaks of how we continually walk with Jesus. Okay, when you came to Jesus, what did you do? You put your faith and trust in him, and you laid down your life to take up his life. Okay, you became a follower of Jesus. Um, We don't want to just have confessing, professing Christians. We want Christians who follow the Lord. That's what discipleship is. That's following Jesus. Okay, it's not just coming to church. It's not a confession of faith. It's followership. We talk a lot about leadership, right? We want to teach people to be leaders, leadership. Listen, Christianity, much of it is followership, following Jesus, okay? We came to him. This is how we came to him, but this is how we continue to follow him. When you came to Jesus, you laid down your life for his life. You sowed the seed of self into the ground that eternal life might spring up in your heart. Greg said it perfectly here a little bit ago, but salvation is the free gift, right? The free gift that no one can earn or deserve. That's why Christ had to come and do do that for us. But I want to say this. It's the free gift that will cost you everything. Amen? It's the free gift that costs you everything. You can't earn or deserve it, but you give. What, what, what can we give in exchange for our salvation? Nothing, but God still wants it all. He still wants every part of you, your whole life, to follow him, okay? He says, if you desire to keep your life, you lose it. If you lay it down, you'll take up his. Okay, here's, here's the catch. Here's the catch. The greatest yes you and I will ever say to Jesus is that first yes. The greatest yes is, I, put, I place my faith and trust in you. I receive that gift that you offer us, that free gift of salvation. He transforms us by his grace, and we begin a relationship with him. But the relationship has what? Just begun. You introduced yourself, you've been introduced and you're one now, but now that relationship has just begun. That's the greatest yes you will ever say is the first yes. But every other yes is a decision to lay down your life to follow Jesus. I'll give you an example of this. Um, How many people are married here? Okay. The first, the greatest yes you said to your spouse is that yes on your wedding day. You stood across from each other and you exchanged vows, right? You said yes and you made commitments. Uh, I remember my wife and I, our anniversary is next week, by the way, and it'll be 17 years. Okay, good. I got that one right. Okay. Yeah. 17 years. And I'll never forget when we finally got to the altar, she's standing across from me. And I, this is what I was thinking. I'm like, wow, she's really doing it. She's really going through this. Like, I, I did it. I tricked her. I convinced her. She's really doing this, you know. That was honestly what was going through my head. 
I'm like, wow. That was the greatest yes we ever said to each other. However, that doesn't make a good marriage, does it? You can have an amazing wedding and spend all kinds of money and go around the world and do amazing things. That does not what makes a good marriage. What makes a good marriage is every other yes you say after that. To serve one another, to lay down your life for one another, to honor one another. That's what makes a good marriage, is serving one another. Listen, when you come to Jesus, what makes you start? The greatest yes to serve Jesus is, Jesus, I give you my life, I want to follow you. What makes a great relationship with the Lord is that continual followership that the Lord wants us to have. That laying down, denying ourselves, taking up our cross and following Jesus. Okay? You want to have a good walk with the Lord? Follow Jesus. Okay? Jesus said that like this in another gospel, Luke 9, 23 and 24. Whosoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up the cross daily. Everyone say daily. And follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. Okay? Now, I looked up the word daily in the Greek, and it is there. And it means daily from a span of a day. Just so you know, okay? I was checking. But he says we have to make that decision daily. Just like if you want to have a good marriage, daily you have to say, I'm going to choose love today. I'm going to choose to serve. And I'm going to choose to forgive in my, in my marriage, okay? Um, when you... Okay. When we sow that seed of self into the ground... At the first, how many, how many farmers do we have in here? And gardeners, farmers and gardeners. Let's get some hands going. Okay, good. Okay. Um, we do neither. We kill plants. That's, that's what we're special at. Okay, I kill plants. I love, can I tell you something? I love fake plants. I love them so much. You never have to water them. You never have to do anything to them. They don't need sunlight. You can, anyway, my wife has a lot of plants. And I don't know why. They just, I don't like them because they die. And I'm good at killing them. Okay, but through farmers, gardeners, when you, when you put a seed in the ground, the, the life is in the seed, right? But when you put that seed in the soil, at the first touch of moisture, that seed begins to crack, and that seed begins to open up, and life begins to um, spring out of it, okay? That seed cannot produce fruit until it is sown, okay? Your spirit is where your connection with God originates, but your spirit is clothed in a hard shell called your soul. You have a hard outer shell called your soul. And that soul is clothed within your body. The soul is a very hard shell. But how many know the soul needs to break? Self needs to break. This is a key to experiencing the presence of Jesus daily. Many times you go, you go into your quiet time and what's happening? Your, your mind's thinking about all the things you have to do. Your prayers are laborsome, toilsome. You're repeating yourself. And it, you just can't seem to connect with God. And then how many know that once you get in the spirit realm, all of a sudden something breaks, something shifts, and you're praying anointed prayers. Your connection with God is there. What are you doing? You took time to wait upon the Lord for self to break, and you could, you could enter into the spirit realm. Amen? Okay, we have, to, we have to take time to let self break and to be sown into the soil. We oftentimes don't see the life of the spirit because there's this hard outer shell surrounding this new, amazing, beautiful nature that you've been given in your hearts. Okay, what do we need to do? We need to deny ourselves daily, 
take up our cross and follow Jesus. The New Living Translation says it like this, and I like this. It says this, Luke 9, 23. If any of you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. Give up your own way. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There is a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads only to death. We have to give up our way and follow his way. If you want his life, you have to follow his path. How many remember old Frank Sinatra? What did he do? He did it his way. Okay. If you want the life of God and your spirit man, you have to do it God's way. Listen, I don't do it my way in my marriage. I have to do it our way. I have to do it my wife's way, right? Or it's the highway. So. I don't do it my way. I don't do it the selfish way. I don't do it the way that, that just I wanted. I wanted to do it the way that we could build and cultivate something together. If you want to do it God's way, or if you want God's way, you have to follow God's way. Let me ask you a question. How many of you want the promises of this book? Okay. I want the promises of this book, but many times we don't get the promise of this book because we haven't embraced the processes of this book. Okay. You want the promises? you got to go through the processes. The promises are peace with God, provision, protection, prosperity. These are the promises of God. The processes many times are denying yourself. What does that look like? Um, it looks like a lot of things. And we'll put more meat on the bone here in the next few weeks. But how about this? Forgive when you don't want to forgive. Laying down your right to defend yourself. Praying for your enemies, blessing those who persecute you, lending without expecting payment. Don't just do good and speak well of the people who do good to you, but speak well and do good to those who hate you and who persecute you. Okay, This is certainly denial of that self-preservation that we all have. I want the song that I sing at the end of this life to be, I did it your way. Amen. We did it the Lord's way, okay? Do it his way. There is a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it leads to death. Now listen, I'm talking about the flesh and death to flesh, but listen, it's still a work of grace. It's a work of grace that this would happen in our lives. It's a work of grace that we have faith in our heart, and it's a, every work of discipline beyond that is a work of grace, but we have to position and posture ourselves to receive that and then to lay down our lives for the Lord. I believe there is, there is, again, we're going to put more meat on the bone here in the next few weeks, but I wanted you guys to get these fundamental elementary truths. I believe there's something innate to humans that understand the secret power of death, the secret power of laying down oneself to have resurrected life. Two sides of the same coin. One side of the coin is death to self, denial to self. The other side of that coin is the resurrected life. How many want to live the resurrected life? Okay, I want to live the resurrected life. The other side of that coin is denying self, taking up our cross, and following Jesus. It is the secret power of death. But I believe there's something innate in human makeup that understands this because unbelievers understand this. And I'll give you an example of this. How many movie characters, the movie character dies and then is resurrected more powerful than before? How many movies are like that? Can you name one for me? Gandalf. Gandalf. Come on. Lord of the Rings, Gandalf. 
What was he before? That's, that's in my notes too, so good job. What was he before? He was Gandalf the Grey. He dies, he comes back Gandalf the White. And he's more powerful than before. Okay. Um, any others? Matrix. Matrix. Very good. Neo discovers he's the chosen one only when he faces death, dies, and is resurrected more powerful than before. How about uh, Star Wars? Obi-Wan Kenobi. He says to Darth Vader, strike me down and I will become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. Transformers, Optimus Prime dies, comes back stronger. The Justice League, Superman dies and comes back, okay? That, that theme is carried out in many, many movies or it's carried out in this way. A movie character undergoes some type of metamorphosis, discovering who they are, which is a type of death, only to emerge more powerful than before, realizing that they had it all along, right? They undergo some type of metamorphosis or some type of death so that when they come through it, they find out, I have what it takes to face this battle and defeat this foe, okay? This is innate to the human makeup. This is, an, this is why the stories are told like this. It's innate to the human makeup. This is what's found in Christ. This is what's found in Jesus. That when we lay down our lives to pick up his the resurrection power of his life flows through us. I want to encourage you, deny yourself, take up the cross, follow Jesus, that you might have life. You will find out who you are. In order to live, we must die. Jesus said, if you want to be great in the kingdom, become what? A servant of all. This is the inside out, upside down kingdom of God. It's contrary many times to what we believe is true in the natural realm. It's the inside-out, upside-down kingdom. Your new nature in Christ is perfected before God, and you have perfect harmony and union with him. But your new nature is shrouded in that hard outer shell called the soul, and your soul is shrouded within your body. I want to experience the presence of Jesus daily, and many times we don't experience his presence because we can't get past our self. We can't get past that old nature. Okay? Christ in you, the hope of glory. We want that to manifest and to come out. I want to see that manifest in your life. Okay, so next week we're going to build upon this a little more, and I'm going to show you how to break, more ways, how to break the power of the flesh that you can manifest Jesus in your everyday life. Good? All right, I'm going to pray, and then we'll, uh, we'll close here. You guys can stand to your feet, if you would. Father, we love you. We thank you, Jesus, for the resurrected power in our hearts that you desire, Lord, to draw out, Lord. God, I thank you that you have called us believers, Lord, to manifest your presence. And God, you've given us the keys to do that, Lord God. I pray for every person here that we wouldn't just... uh, We wouldn't just be believers in Jesus. We'd be followers of Jesus. We wouldn't just be confessors of faith, but we would be manifestors of faith, Lord Jesus. And I thank you for your church, your bride. God, I thank you that she's amazing. She's beautiful on the inside. Lord, help us to uh, shine you everywhere we go. We love you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. amen.